Chapter Twenty One of Captain William Kidd and Others of the Buccaneers by John S. C. Abbott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty One: The Capture of Panama. First Sight of the City. The Spanish Scouts Appear. Morgan's Advance. Character of the Country. Fears of the Spaniards. Removal of Treasure. Capture of the City. The Poisoned Wine. Magnificent Scenery of the Bay description of panama and its surroundings wealth of the city scenes of crime and cruelty morgan was an extraordinary man fear never appalled him he was never discouraged by disasters passion was never allowed to throw him off his guard he shared in full all the hardships of his demoniac crew though hungry and weary himself and sympathizing with his starving men in their sufferings he did not in the least degree remit his watchfulness or lose his self-control perceiving the danger that his men in their famished condition indulging in such reckless gluttony might induce sickness which would incapacitate them for battle he ordered a false alarm to be sounded instantly every man seized his musket and ran to his appointed place in the ranks morgan had taken the precaution before descending the mountain to order every musket to be discharged and loaded afresh from fear that the powder might have become damp there were several miles yet to be traversed over plains and through forests before the pirates could enter the streets of the city which they had discerned in the distance cautiously they continued their march until the approach of evening when they ascended an eminence which commanded a perfect view of the city with its steeples houses and streets all aglow with the rays of the setting sun here the shouts of exultation were renewed the pirates strengthened by their feast danced for joy beating their drums sounding their trumpets firing off their muskets and exulting as in the hour of perfect victory here they encamped for the night waiting impatiently for the morning which would usher in the decisive battle in the evening two hundred mounted spaniards rode out from the city dashed along until they came within hailing distance of the pirates and shouted out to them words which could not be understood morgan established double sentinels and all his men slept upon their arms at daybreak on the tenth day the spaniards from their walls sounded with bugle-peal and drum-beat a challenge to their foes the pirates were equally eager for the fight rapidly they advanced into the plain the spaniards on horseback and on foot crowded out to meet them in glittering battalions they were drawn up upon the plain outnumbering the pirates three to one there were two squadrons of cavalry four regiments of foot and most singular to relate a huge number of wild bulls roaring and tossing their horns driven by a great number of indians and a few mounted matadors it is recorded that the pirates were surprised and alarmed in view of the force thus to be encountered many of them wished they were at home no quarter was to be expected there was no hope for them but in fighting with the utmost desperation all were conscious of this they therefore bound themselves by the most solemn oaths to conquer or to spend the last drop of their blood morgan formed his men into three battalions after selecting a band of two hundred sharpshooters to skirmish in the advance many of the spaniards were armed in glittering coats of mail their silken banners richly embroidered presented a beautiful appearance as they fluttered in the rays of the morning sun 
the spaniards sent forward a squadron of horse as they came galloping over the plain morgan's skirmishers fell upon one knee in the tall grass and opened upon them a very destructive fire several riders dropped from their horses several horses struck by the bullets and appalled by the sudden explosion of two hundred guns became uncontrollable and rushed wildly over the plain in all directions the bulls writes thornberry proved as fatal to those who employed them as the elephants to porous driven on the rear of the buccaneers they took fright at the noise of the battle a few only broke through the english companies and trampled the red colors under foot but these were soon shot by the old hunters a few fled to the savannah and the rest tore back and carried havoc through the spanish ranks the plain was rough with ravines and quagmires so that the cavalry could not operate to advantage the desperate pirates were all reckless of their courage and nearly all unerring in their aim the spaniards were also men of war and blood who had been guilty of the greatest atrocities as they had cut down and robbed the native tribes they fought with ferocity equal to that of the pirates in this battle it was in reality fiend against fiend the spaniards were as bad as the pirates for two hours the battle raged with intensest fury there was neither tree stump nor rock to protect either party from the bullets which with deadly velocity swept the plain on the one side there were eleven hundred pirates esquemeling estimates the force of the spaniards at four hundred cavalry and two thousand four hundred infantry there were also one or two hundred indians and negroes to drive the wild bulls through the english camp hoping thus to break their lines and throw them into confusion the spaniards had also dug trenches and raised batteries to arrest the advance of their foes morgan as usual ordered his men to approach the city by a circuitous route so as to avoid the batteries in preparation for this movement he ordered a review of the troops he concealed from his troops the number of pirates who had fallen but announced probably with some exaggeration that six hundred of the spaniards lay dead upon the field it would seem that the spaniards had not been very sanguine as to the result of the battle for they had shipped to the island of taboja much of their portable wealth and all of their women in the battle thus far the spaniards had been so decidedly beaten that they had abandoned the field and horse and foot had taken a new stand behind the ramparts many prisoners had been taken including quite a number of catholic priests morgan not wishing to be encumbered with prisoners ordered them all to be pistoled the pirates had lost heavily but their loss exasperated instead of disheartening them esquemeling writes the pirates were nothing discouraged seeing their numbers so much diminished but rather filled with greater pride than before perceiving what huge advantage they had obtained against their enemies thus having rested themselves some while they prepared to march courageously toward the city plighting their oaths to one another that they would fight till never a man were left alive with this courage they recommenced their march either to conquer or to be conquered they found much difficulty in their approach unto the city for within the town the spaniards had placed many great guns at several quarters thereof some of which were charged with small pieces of iron 
and others with musket bullets with all these they saluted the pirates at their drawing nigh unto the place and gave them full and frequent broadsides firing at them incessantly from whence it happened that they lost at every step they advanced great numbers of men but neither these manifest dangers of their lives nor the sight of so many of their own dropping down continually at their sides could deter them from advancing farther and gaining ground every moment upon the enemy thus although the spaniards never ceased to fire and act the best they could for their defence yet notwithstanding they were forced to deliver the city after the space of three hours combat and the pirates having now possessed themselves thereof both killed and destroyed as many as attempted to make the least opposition against them the inhabitants had caused the best of their goods to be transported unto more remote and occult places howbeit they found within the city as yet several warehouses well stocked with all sorts of merchandise as well silks and cloths as linen and other things of considerable value as soon as the first fury of their entrance into the city was over captain morgan assembled all his men at a certain place which he assigned and there commanded them under very great penalties that none of them should dare to drink or taste any wine the reason he gave for this injunction was because he had received private intelligence that it had been all poisoned by the spaniards howbeit it was the opinion of many that he gave those prudent orders to prevent the debauchery of his people which he foresaw would be very great at the beginning after so much hunger sustained by the way fearing withal lest the spaniards seeing them in wine should rally their forces and use them as inhumanly as they had used the inhabitants before morgan was now master of panama the city with nearly all of its wealth had fallen into his hands and still the vanquished spaniards could rally a force greatly outnumbering his own the bay of panama is one of peculiar beauty at that time its shores were fringed with luxuriant groves of oranges figs and limes the feathery tops of the coconut trees towered over all the rest rivalled only by the lofty tamarinds through the rich foliage there peeped in much picturesque beauty numerous cane-built huts indian children entirely unclothed were running about upon the beach while birch canoes light as bubbles were skimming the placid waves the islands of Tavoja and Tavohilla appeared in the distance as masses of foliage the mines of mexico and peru had emptied their floods of wealth into that port many of the mansions were architecturally magnificent they were adorned with the richest paintings and with the most costly furniture the spanish grandees had hung upon their walls the masterpieces of titian murillo and velasquez the streets of the city were broad an unusual circumstance in spanish cities and were lined with the most beautiful and ever flowering of tropical trees within the walls of the city there was a cathedral of imposing magnitude and towering splendor there were also eight monasteries massive buildings occupied by the religious orders and abundantly supplied with works of art 
the broad avenues were lined with two thousand mansions of the wealthy and five thousand smaller houses and shops crowded the more busy streets the most imposing block in the city was what was called the genoese warehouses these belonged to a company who had enriched themselves by the slave trade an immense number of horses and mules were used in transporting goods across the isthmus from one ocean to the other these were kept in long rows of stables admirably arranged the products of the mines of gold and silver were melted down into solid bars called plate or bullion and in that form were sent to the old world the city was surrounded with rich plantations and highly artistic gardens panama was the city to which all the treasures of peru were annually brought the plate fleet laden with bars of gold and silver arrived here at certain periods brimming with the crown wealth as well as that of private merchants it returned laden with the merchandise of panama and the spanish main to be sold in peru and chile and still oftener with droves of negro slaves that the genoese imported from the coast of guinea to toil and die in the peruvian mines so wealthy was this golden city that more than two thousand mules were employed in the transport of the gold and silver from thence to porto bello where the galleons were loaded the merchants of panama were proverbially the richest in the whole spanish west indies the governor of panama was the suzerain of porto bello nata cruz and varuja the bishop of panama was primate of the terra firma and the suffragan to the archbishop of peru the district of panama was the most healthy of all the spanish colonies rich in mines and so well wooded that its ship timber covered with vessels both the northern and the southern seas its land yielded full crops and its broad savannas pastured innumerable herds of wild cattle monarch of the main volume two page one fifty nine such was the city and province which had fallen into the hands of this gang of pirates they found the booty notwithstanding all the spaniards had removed rich beyond their most sanguine expectations the stores were still crowded with goods of great value wine spices olive oil silks and cloths of every variety of fabric were found in great abundance the magazines were amply supplied with corn and other provisions morgan himself was surprised at the grandeur of his capture he was also alarmed in view of his own peril the force which could still be arrayed against him was far greater than he had anticipated he was in imminent danger of being cut off from his return to the ships there were several spanish vessels aground in the port morgan seized them with the high tide they were floated he manned them with the most desperate of his gang and sent them to the islands and to pursue the vessels which had escaped with treasure along the coast there was one royal spanish mercantile vessel in particular of four hundred tons which had escaped laden with church plate and jewels and the richest merchandise it had put to sea in the greatest haste with but seven guns and but about a dozen muskets it was poorly supplied with food and water and had only the uppermost sails of the mainmast to spread all the females of the nunnery were on board this ship and the most valuable ornaments of the church morgan was anxious to make an immediate pursuit of this vessel had he done so the vessel would easily have been captured but for a time he lost the control of his demoniac crew 
inflamed with wine for morgan's prohibition had no effect and rushing into the most pitiless debauchery they spent many hours in scenes which neither sodom nor gomorrah could ever have outrivalled thus the ship escaped it is said that it contained gold and silver of greater value than all the treasures found in panama morgan probably foresaw that unless he could destroy these liquors with which the city was filled his men would become entirely disorganized and the spaniards falling upon the drunken rabble would easily cut them to pieces he could not destroy liquors before the eyes of the pirates for they would not permit it he set fire to the city in various quarters carefully spreading the report that the conflagration was kindled by the spaniards themselves the fire spread with such rapidity that in a few hours nearly all of the business portion was laid in ashes most of the humbler buildings were of wood with thatched roofs they burned like tinder two hundred stores with all their contents were destroyed the genoese warehouses were burned there were many poor slaves imprisoned in them they were consumed by the all-devouring flames this energetic commander as pitiless as any beast which ever howled in the jungle had accomplished his purpose his troops were driven out of the flaming streets into the fields and there they were compelled to encamp these wretched men satiated with gluttony drunkenness and debauchery began now to awake with new eagerness to their old passion for plunder four vessels were dispatched to visit the islands and to cruise along the coast in both directions one hundred and sixty men were sent back to chagres to convey supplies to the troops in garrison there and to inform them of the great victory daily companies of two hundred men one party relieving another were sent out to explore the region around they returned every night with a group of pale and trembling prisoners and with mules laden with treasure these unhappy captives were tortured to compel them to reveal where treasure of which they knew nothing was concealed the father the mother the maiden daughter and the child were alike stretched on the bed of torture neither innocence beauty nor virtue afforded the female captive any protection a pauper spaniard not much more than half-witted wandered during the confusion into a rich man's house stripped off his rags and clothed himself in costly linen with breeches of bright red taffeta and a coat of silk velvet as he was foolishly strutting about admiring his finery the pirates broke in and seized him as their prize they believed or assumed to believe that he was the master of the house and demanded that he should inform them where he had concealed his treasure in vain he pointed to his rags and protested by all the saints that he had lived upon charity there was nothing he could reveal these cruel men stretched him on the rack they dislocated his joints they twisted a cord around his forehead till his eyes appeared as big as eggs and were ready to fall out they hung him up by the thumbs and scourged him they cut off his nose and ears and singed his face with blazing straw then with the thrusts of their lances they put him to death after this execrable manner rice esquemilling did many others of these miserable prisoners finish their days the common sport and recreation of these pirates being these and other tragedies not inferior to these End of chapter 21